Welcome to Making Noise, Making Moves, a podcast series created for Noise Moves Youth Dance Festival 2021. Today we are speaking with Philippa Donnellan, independent dancer, choreographer, and former Koshkame Broadreach director, and now advisor to the program. Welcome, Philippa. To get started, it'd be really great to hear from you about how your career, how your interaction, how your journey in dance started. Um, well, thanks very much, uh, Jeanette. It's lovely to be here with you. And, um, and so just a kind of uh, a quick run through. <laughs> um, I started dancing um, like many young children. It was a way to get me out of the house, I think, uh, by my mom on a Saturday. And she took me down to the local um, dance school with my two sisters on a Saturday morning, uh, the Victoria Wood School of Dancing. And uh, we we danced, we did I don't know we did ballet and we did different kinds of dancing um and um I suppose that really started my pathway in, in dance and I used to love it and I used to love all the gymnastics of it and uh, just the the activity and whilst my sisters decided pretty quickly to stop dancing I carried on and from there I then progressed to another local teacher in my hometown in the UK and um, I did ballet classes with her and I guess it was uh, about when I was about 11 and I really remember it you know it was like I was thinking about stopping and my mom said carry on carry on for another year and then suddenly I don't know what happened particularly but something like clicked for me and uh, I basically then decided at age 11 it was a very very clear decision that I was going to continue and to become a dancer and that was what I was going to do as my as my job as my as my life as my vocation and that was it that was the decision made and I never look look back from there and and um and uh, I carried on, I continued to train locally and then left school at a, a young age because I was just going to dance and that's all I wanted to do. And I went to study in um, London at um, a, a small ballet school. Um, and it's kind of interesting looking back, I, you know, in terms of my training it seems to have been filled with very um, dynamic, determined quite small in height women and they've all had <laughs> a, a lasting influence on me and I kind of think back you know from Victoria Wood to then Vera Hildreth to um and then eventually uh, to Nesta Brooking who was the the my um teacher in London uh, she ran a, a small school in Marylebone High Street and um, and I did ballet. There wasn't very much contemporary, if anything. It was a kind of like, well, what's contemporary dance? Uh, and perhaps I'm showing my age here, but uh, um, you know. And and I, whilst I was really kind of on that direction of ballet, 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 that I I really loved, and I loved the theatre of it. I think, and I loved even then, I loved the story and the character of ballet that was really rich for me um, and I kind of didn't know of any other options but I from training in London for a couple of years I kind of realized that maybe ballet wasn't going to be my calling but I kind of didn't know what else was and um, and at that point I I had heard about the Martha Graham School. This was before the internet. 
<laughs> in the age of faxes and telephones. <laughs> and I and I I thought and a friend in the school had said, I'm going to New York and I'm going to find out about. And she had mentioned Martha Graham and I went, mm, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I think I'll go as well. Yeah. And it was kind of like that. And it was really a tale of pack your suitcase and take a one way ticket. Go. And at the time, there was the Freddie Laker. Again, I am showing my age here. <laughs> you know, but uh, Freddie Laker was offering cheap flights to uh, to America, and they were. And I took a one way ticket. Yeah. And I with my suitcase, and it, it was impossible really to know kind of what what was there. I had no idea. But it and was just that drive, though, right? It was that drive. Yeah, I, from 11 I years knew, old, where you just needed to change focus, and you just knew that there was it's a calling, and that you needed to be searching, just, and you're open. Yeah, absolutely. And I knew that I had to leave the, the the ballet school. I'd been there a couple of years, and I just was like, I've got to get out of this. It was quite a small scenario, and I just had to kind of branch out and and go and find other things. And it was really instinctive. And um, and so I said I was going on holiday and I I to my mum and dad and to my teacher. And um, and then I I took this one way. I had this one way ticket and I arrived at customs and they said, you know, you can't stay here and work and study, don't you, on your visa? And I was like, oh, yeah, I know I'm coming back and, you know, and uh, it was cheaper and, to fly this way. Honest, <laughs> honest. And from there I made my, I arrived in Boston and from there I made my way to New York through kind of friends of friends. And the first few weeks I was literally winging it. You know, I had very little money and not many options where to stay. And I did, I winged it and I, and I fell on my feet through a very kind friend of the family who found me a place to live with a, a, a wonderful woman, another small dynamic, um dance uh, you know teacher I was just kind of actually Romana and she lived in a flat with three dogs and she happened to be the the mother of Paul Mejia who was a very well-known dancer with Balanchine who was married to Suzanne Farrell and suddenly I was living in this flat where Suzanne Farrell who was the muse of Balanchine um was um was downstairs and oh and I was living with with Romana who was who was Peruvian key influences here key influences yeah and I decided I was going to go to the Martha Graham school because I'd yeah. heard that they gave student visas on a kind of much easier you didn't have to audition to get in you could literally sign up and they would yeah. give you a visa amazing and, to cut a long story short, it was up and down and, and a very kind of fairly, I was 19, by the way, and that, when I went there. Yeah. And um, it coincided with my mum and dad coming over on holiday and I met them at the airport and they said, yeah. how are you doing? When are you coming back? And I said, I'm not coming back. I'm going <laughs> to stay. And uh, I already tell this story, but I, I'm going to stay. And I remember there was kind of, 10 second pause and yeah. my dad said well I think that's fantastic oh that's wonderful and my, though, yeah you know? and my mum of course was far more kind of like worried and yeah. cautious and well what are you going to do and how are you going to do this and my dad because of the kind of character he was 
and more on that later because he had an enormous influence on my focus and my direction as a, as an artist um but um he he was just always about just going for it and do it and see and take the risk and so with their support and that was a huge support you know emotionally as well as actually kind of giving me a hand with a little bit of money here and there mm -hmm. and um I got a job I have to say illegally but I swung yeah. my visa and you know and I stayed I ended up staying two and a half years and it was a formative time in terms of my training at the Martha Graham School and I also did classes with people like Melissa Hayden another small dynamic dancer yeah um, it's a trend here it's a, there is definitely a trend yeah. and I, I think back about the the huge influence of women in dance and mm. and still for me it is uh, unacknowledged um, because actually from, you know, it's the big names, it's the Nanette de Valois, it's the Martha Graham, you know, it's the Pina Bausch, it's those key figures that at a distance are of huge influence to me. They're huge drivers, absolutely. Huge drivers, but there are yeah. many others, you know, from your local dance schools, you know. Absolutely. I don't know whether they're all still small, but tonight. Um, Philippa, tell me about um, your training and your experience as a young dancer and how that influences and informs you now? Um, well, as I say, the two years, two and a half years in New York was kind of really the, the, the shift in what I became as a dancer and a whole different technique. And whilst I continued with ballet, um, I then became a contemporary dancer. And it was a real education because I also discovered whilst there that the dancers in New York who I was training alongside knew their history. They weren't just dancers in a sense of learning their uh, physical and artistic um, um, technique, but they knew what where that, that technique had come from, from Dennis Sean, from Ruth St-Denise, from Hanya Holm to mm -hmm. Merce Cunningham. They really understood their background, their tradition, yeah. what had been passed down to them. And this was really uh, informative for me as a dancer that I to know my background it wasn't just a que question of stepping into the present and learning yeah. a technique so like, but it, yeah. it was really understanding the richness and the depth and the range and really informed why some dancers went this direction and why others went that direction and Marty Graham was definitely a technique that I found that I had chosen to do that kind of fit whilst it was physically hugely demanding and, and to the body and uh, and still has repercussions to this day um, but in terms of its dynamic its terms of its theatricality in terms of her as an artist her vision um, was uh, and and actually kind of grounding in the body working in terms of closer to the floor it suited me I'm also yeah. a small dancer yeah yeah <laughs> Um, you know, but it suited my body and, and my energy and, and the kind of element of risk that's involved in the technique. Of course. Um, I'm picking up on something that you said earlier about when you're 11, going back to that pivotal moment, wise 11 year olds. Um, you talked about that you love the story and the characters of ballet. Now, a lot of your work, I feel, really is rooted in not just story, but there's a theatrical element. There's there's a dialogue, there's there's a conversation happening. 
I'm wondering how much that has an, uh, had an influence or how that has played a role in anything or maybe it hasn't or... No, it absolutely has. I mean, I've yeah. long been interested in narrative. And narrative, I sorry, that's the word I was looking yeah, for, the narrative. I, uh, I've always been interested in mm-hmm. theme, themes, uh, themes that communicate really from a young age, understanding yeah. that that's important to communicate something. And um, so the themes have been really important, the narrative, and and also kind of breaking through a kind of non, uh, I suppose, a non-linear narrative. And this is what took me away from ballet in that I also kind of saw the stories of ballet that they unfolded in a fairly traditional linear way. But yeah. I was more interested in kind of finding other perhaps more poetic um, forms in which you could still tell a story but that were more kind of um, yeah poetic and so so this kind of brings me to the kind of other influences and 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 really an interest in in making work that's that's accessible but that's also artistically challenging and it's been a theme throughout my life and I still am struggling with it it's not something that goes away it's really hard to do to make work that's that's thematically relevant absolutely accessible and so on yeah no, yeah, um, I was just going to say, you said about that word about influences. So I have a, have a two-part question here. One is in regards to the influences in your work and sort of shifts and changes in your practice and directions. And we'll talk about R&D perhaps in a minute, but maybe we'll just talk about the influences as well and those pivotal people in your life or experiences. Yeah, I mean, I was I was thinking about influences there. I mean, I think there are influences kind of at a distance, the big names, you know, the 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 the, the people who from a distance you see their work and you think, wow, that's amazing. How the hell yeah. did they do that? And you have that. And then there are there are people that you come in contact throughout your life, and then there are those who are close to you. And so starting with those close to me, the closest person was my my father, who's a yeah. he made um films. Um he was he worked for the BBC for uh, 30 40 years and he made documentary films and he um, his work was rooted in uncovering um, voices that that were largely invisible and so he worked a lot with different communities of people mm-hmm. and yeah I can see you smiling yeah, because it's completely, completely influences you and works into absolutely your it is it is totally what I and it's also about how you pass down you know and people pass down their trade you know through families and this is exactly how I see this this passing on to me and it's absolutely pivotal in my work you know uh and he he uh made documentary films um he was um born in the UK his background was a heritage was Irish and he he made films about um coal miners about the undocumented Irish about travelers about steel workers about mainly largely well and I have to say about men um so I'm redressing the balance a little bit I hope um <laughs> but um so the, his influence in terms of not just what he made but how he approached 
approached working with people. And in fact, I think I'm taking it a step further. But one of his his huge strengths, I think, um, as a documentary filmmaker, uh, have also have to say being backed up by a hardworking his wife, my mom, um, uh, important person. But was his approach to making work that he he maintained relationships with some of those people that he worked with and he took on their causes and he yeah. he uh, you know from from working he made a film about blind people and the use of the long cane which was being introduced in the 1960s and he maintained contact with p uh, key people and he set up a, um, a, a talking newspaper for the blind um, working with local blind people um, in the Midlands and so that was just one example of how his work not only made films about people but how he continued those relationships and I, I I think that's really huge and uh, you know I think of the work of Catherine Young and what she's doing in Ireland at the moment and how her work is not just about making work but her continued relationship with some of the people that she's directly worked with and that and she's a she's an inspiration and uh, she's an inspiration to me yeah. and uh, in that respect so he was an influence. Um, I mean, beyond him, then you know, I worked in my first job back in the UK was with Ludus Dance Company, who are a dance and education company. And I was fortunate enough to work with some amazing artists, namely Wendy Houston, Nigel Charnock, TC Howard, Jane Mooney. I mean, these are these are key movers and shakers, you know, for their artistic work, for this, for their intellectual thinking, for their for their strategic thinking, for their the way they have, um, um, you know, particularly Nigel and Wendy as artists in the contemporary dance scene are kind of radical voices and and continued, uh, certainly Nigel and, until his untimely death. But you know carved an individual path that 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 was that is and was unique you know and kind of somehow crafted their own direction and I you know continue reference those two because they are radical sometimes difficult contentious voices but they ask difficult questions and and so they 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 always remain uh, huge influences and and I was lucky enough to kind of join Ludus to work with them at a young age. You know, I was kind of 22, 23, 24, you know, and um, and then I went back to work with them later as a choreographer. So, again, huge influences, you know, yeah. um, other people like Fergus Early, groundbreaking choreographer who I worked with in the UK in terms of working with older people and um, and he had a huge influence on my direction as an artist and you know so gradually in terms of how I started to evolve my practice and mm -hmm. started to think through kind of what direction I'm taking and that took me it's taken me a long time I'm still figuring out what my practice is but <laughs> you um you touched on something there about your father and about um the work he made and the approach that he took and I'm thinking back to a conversation we had once and um and you talked about the role of R&D research and development and how much that plays a role in your work and that influence obviously that that R&D is hugely um supportive of the narrative drive that you're you know that you're working towards in your work or you're working with in your work and I'm wondering how 
that plays a role in the rehearsal room and then has an impact on say the young people or any of the group that you're working with in the rehearsal room as well, particularly those who perhaps may not be used to such a process? Yeah, I, I mean, research is a, is a funny one and, and, uh, and uh, it took me a long time to understand that I needed to research, you know, and it took me a long, a long time to understand what my practice is, you know, um, and I think I didn't really fully understand it until I did an MA and actually that really helped me um, understand about I did a, an MA in dance ethnography and studied anthropology, and that really helped understand how I go into communities and and how I work with people in terms of research. And I think working in the studio with young people, even at the what are the questions that you ask to start a process going it's mm -hmm. it's even at that level it's it's I'm even at the point of asking people what are the questions do we ask not yeah, even asking yeah. the questions but yeah, yeah. what but what are the questions we ask um so uh, you know now more than ever I start with questions and of course that's a lot of talking um and then from there there's a whole process in terms of of working with any group of any age is of building trust um, so before yeah. you go into a process of discovery and in terms of research now where I'm driving much more is like how do you elicit stories and experiences from people and this is very delicate because it's inevitably touches on a kind of therapeutic or therapy direction and that's really delicate it like, is it is yeah. and especially working with young people where they might be really you know so you might be talking about something like what's changed in your life for instance right mm. now and that can still at any age it reveals so much Both, but yeah it's treading very very delicately because I'm not a therapist you know and so you have to really create environments of safety of security where people feel okay to express to speak to tell each other and me you know absolutely because it's find that fine balance between yeah. the young people that you're working with having ownership and buy-in yeah to the work as well and feeling part of the work and feeling that they can contribute and have a voice and you're not going in there with pre-prescribed set out choreography for them but you have that openness as well when you're coming in there's a whole other process because I've seen you know a lot of your process in the studio and I've seen all of the material that you develop and trying to evoke and stimulate and and open up the space so I guess in doing that and when you're working with the young people what is your approach or we've talked about that a bit now here about your approach and you know that you you've got that slow kind of that conversation studying and, and it's laying the ground and foundation but how then do you help them or is that is that then the vehicle that you use to helping them develop their own artistic voice? I mean I, I think in letting people's voices come through and letting them 
creating that scenario where that space where they can create I think you by default you're encouraging them to kind of explore their own creativity and that's what is interesting too so in a group I always think of a group as a, a as a collection of individuals so the individual is really important as well as the group once you've kind of built up that trust how, you know then 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 there's a kind of free-flowing excitement where people really start to trust each other and you and they'll they'll just go the distance but yeah you they have can to give. they can give they can really give I yeah. think you have to be super careful with young people though because I think they don't necessarily because of their age they don't realize how much they're opening up and they really uh, once they do open the door it's like a floodgate sometimes yes. and you really have to say you know and not to take advantage of what they've said you know mm. you do you really want to put this out there do you really want to say this and I think that's the role of the director in that even actually I'm not going to go there you've told me that but actual fact, I'm not going to use that material because so I think there's a real delicate thing about exploiting uh, yeah, young people. Absolutely. And, and there's a duty so, of care, right? There's a duty there's of care. A, yeah. And sometimes yeah. saying things too deeply, like, you know, actually, they've said that. But do you, you know, do you do you really want to speak about that? You know, so I, I think you just have to be very delicate in terms of working with young people. But it's a really, really exciting place because you can see I can see them and I have seen them really blossom and, and and grow and 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 just have fun in the creative process um and always behind that is for me is people to take those um technical creative artistic risks I mean I think for me risk is is and uh, it's really core to to the work because let's risk let's you know and that's what I would drive for that they they take a chance yeah. to, to you know to make what they want to dream to imagine you know and I think that's that's a really exciting process to be part of you know that's so. it because within the risk there's exploration yeah um, so Philippa I'm going to give you uh my last question here for you, which I think is a, you, you segued nicely into it and you probably perhaps answered in different ways, but about the importance of dance. Yeah, I mean, why is it important? Have we got another half hour here? Um, I mean, I, 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 mean I, I just start from myself and I, I, I started to really think about why is it important to dance? I mean, you know, for me, it cannot understand living in this world without dance and and so it uh, it's for a long time I thought of it as a marriage um yeah. you know my partner is dance <laughs> yeah um but it's also a way of um connecting with people it's a way of connecting my head with my body you know it's it's that mind body connection and it's it's a way of well let's say like this I managed a project as part of Cushcane Broadreach, which so much of this work has in the last 15 years in Ireland has been about. In fact, all my work pretty much with communities has been uh, with Cushcane. And it's really kind of allowed me a huge opportunity to to figure out my practice, to work with different young communities. But on one project, and this was a project um, with with different ages there was one girl who said it makes me feel alive 
beautiful and really kind of together it doesn't it I mean I can't better that it does and you know dancing to music and I think there's that connection with music as well that somehow just makes you feel alive you know why we all do it and and so she hit the nail on the head so yeah that's that's for me the importance of dance and I just I just love it and I love it because it keeps on changing with me in whatever age and place and time I'm in you know I'm dancing differently from when I was four um which was kind of upside down a lot of time um but so that's it Absolutely. And that comes full circle in terms of what you're talking as well about risk and exploration that you keep growing with it. You keep moving, you keep changing and you're open to that. When you're 11, you knew this was for you and you just kept going with it and you see all the different places that it takes you within your own discovery, within your own creation. Yeah. And you see it with other dancers, too, that it continues to be a part of their life and and for people to rediscover it, uh, having not danced for many years. And so I just think that it's the cradle to the grave, you know, and um, and it's and it's it's constant process of redefining and re and 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 rediscovering what dance is, what it means to me, how I can work with it, how it affects me and how it connects me to other people and other communities that's beautiful thank you so much Philippa you provided a great great. insight for us into your work um into the people that you've worked with and it's great great to have this insight yeah well there you go tell me story thank you for listening today making noise making moves is part of the noise moves youth dance festival for 2021 noise moves is a part of noise dublin the youth arts program of south dublin county arts office festival is funded by the South Dublin County Council and the Arts Council of Ireland with support from Dance Ireland and Creative Ireland, partnerships with Contact Studios and Music Generation Studio, and the festival is sponsored by Dance World. Follow us on social media at Noise Moves and please subscribe to our YouTube channel to see our latest pieces of work.